All right, well, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're just going to look at one verse tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, when, when you get to those places in life where you need help, and it's the kind of help that others can't provide, and it's then that you need the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe I'm talking to somebody tonight and you're facing an awful trial from which you cannot escape. It's a trial you did not want, but it is a trial you are facing and wrestling with. Or maybe you need to know God's will in an important matter that will have life-changing results for you or for your entire family. And you're trying to decide this or that, yes or no. Or maybe the unexpected has happened at work and you feel the beginning stages of panic. Not knowing for sure if you're going to have a job or what that might look like. Or, or maybe God is giving you an assignment that you feel completely unqualified for. An assignment that is making you hesitant and question. An assignment that is putting fear in your heart. Or maybe you're just tired, worn down, worn out. Not sure exactly uh, how you're going to keep going, but, but you're just kind of worn down. You, you're at the end of your rope, so to speak. You need help. You need God. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that living wisely. We talked about this last time a couple of weeks ago when we were together for Bible study. We were in Ephesians chapter 5. And just to refresh your memory, we looked at verse 15 that says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. We talked about what that looks like. And basically there were two points. Make the most of the time that you have. And number two, do God's will. If you want to live wisely, make the most of the time that you have and do God's will. But the question tonight is this one. What if you don't know how to make the most of the time that you have? What if you don't know the right decisions to make? Or what if the opportunities before you seem greater than you and you feel unqualified and incapable of doing God's will? Well, that's when you need the Holy Spirit of God to take over. I want to say that again. There are times when it's more evident than ever before that you need the Holy Spirit of God to take over. Now, we always need the Holy Spirit of God. Would you agree with that? We, we just don't recognize it as sometimes as, as much as we do at others. But there are times in life when it becomes very evident when we need the Holy Spirit of God to take over. I want to say to you tonight, it's possible for a Christian to operate their lives apart from the Holy Spirit's control. In fact, many Christians do that every day, but it is a foolish way to live. Think about it from a very practical standpoint. Watch my hands. Think about it from a very practical standpoint. I can choose every day just to do the best that I can do, or I can choose to allow the Holy Spirit of God to have control. Now, that's a silly and a simple question, but... It's really not as silly and simple as you might think because it's a struggle sometimes. 
we don't like to give up control. We want to be in control. And that's why sometimes we wrestle with the idea of being filled with the Spirit of God. That's why sometimes we feel so empty. And we wonder what, the Holy, what the, all this is about the Holy Spirit anyway because we just don't feel like there's anything there. We don't notice anything different. And it might simply be that we're still trying to wrestle with, should I really let the Holy Spirit have control in my life? So, the Apostle Paul addresses that. He says, verse 17, chapter 5, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then the one verse we're going to look at is verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul is using a contrast here to make a point in verse 18. He talks about a man who is either filled with wine, and he contrasts that to a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now most of us have probably seen an intoxicated person somewhere along the way. Some of you have lived with an intoxicated person somewhere along the way. And I'm not joking about that. Some of you know what that's like. And when you see an intoxicated person, they often do things that they normally wouldn't do. They often say things they normally wouldn't say. They often act in a way they normally wouldn't act. And we explain their behavior by saying they are what? Drunk or what's the other big term? They are under, under the influence. Now, being intoxicated illustrates in reverse what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Paul says if we're going to live wisely, we will not live under the influence of alcohol, but we will live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Don't let the Holy Spirit scare you. Don't let the concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit scare you. The Apostle Paul says in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, in contrast to that, instead of being under the influence of alcohol, instead, be filled with, be under the influence of the Spirit. So, let me give you, on your outline there, a biblical basis for understanding what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Number one, fill in the blanks. Being filled with the Spirit is not optional, nor is it something for the charismatics. Write that down, please. Being filled with the Spirit is not optional, nor is it something for the charismatics. You see, I think Baptists especially are a little scared of this concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit because we've seen what the charismatics do. We've seen what the Pentecostals do. We've seen the abuse, what I would call the abuse uh, of the Holy Spirit in some circles. But at the same time, you cannot simply ignore God's Word. You can't ignore the clear command of God's Word. Billy Graham has said, and I quote, none other than Dr. Billy Graham has said, I think it proper to say that anyone who is not Spirit-filled is a defective Christian. Paul's command to the Ephesian Christians, be filled with the Spirit, is binding on all of us Christians everywhere in every age. There are no exceptions. That's Dr. Dr. Billy Graham. Did you notice that Dr. Graham said that being filled with the Spirit is a command? And it is. 
If you look at the, the wording in verse 18, especially if you can read it in the Greek New Testament, it's very evident that this is not a suggestion. When he says, be filled with the Spirit, he is issuing the church in Ephesus a command. It's interesting, we're never commanded to be baptized in the Spirit. Now follow closely what I'm about to say. We are never commanded in Scripture to be baptized in the Spirit. We're never commanded to be indwelt by the Spirit. We're never commanded to be gifted by the Spirit. We are never commanded to be sealed by the Spirit. Those are all sovereign acts of God that are given to us at the moment of conversion. The Bible teaches very clearly that at the moment of conversion, you are indwelt by the Spirit. You are baptized into the family of God by the Spirit. You are gifted by the Spirit to serve the Lord. And you are sealed by the Spirit. That is, you're protected. So, the Holy Spirit's ministry is mostly a once-for-all sovereign act of God that occurs at the moment of salvation. But the indwelling, I'm sorry, but, but the filling of the Spirit is different. You see, the baptism of the Spirit, the gifting of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, being sealed in the Spirit, all of those are given to us when we're saved and they're irrevocable and irreversible. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is different. It's conditional. Write that down somewhere. You don't have a blank, but you might want to put that somewhere on the column of, of your notes. The filling of the Holy Spirit is conditional because it depends on our cooperation with the indwelling Spirit of God. So that's just trying to give you a biblical basis. That's the first one. Number two, the Holy Spirit's filling is not permanent. It is not permanent. The Greek language here has the idea of continuously being filled. We're not filled once for all like you fill a bucket. You know, there comes a point when you fill a bucket that, that, that it's full. There comes a point when you fill a bucket when you have to stop because it's filled. That's not the concept here. Instead, the concept here is constantly being filled. In fact, the, in the Greek language, it literally would read something like this. Be filled and keep on being filled. Be filled and keep on being filled. Now, you only have to drive to Williamston to see this in action. Have you ever been to the park in Williamston? There's a, a would you, I guess it's a well, it's a cistern, a water fountain. I don't know what you would call that thing. But is this, I haven't been down there in years. But is it still there, that, that well, the water? Natural spring, thank you. Which is a great illustration of what I wanted to share with you. I remember going down there and looking at this natural spring and, and just seeing this the cistern full of water and overflowing. And at first I was looking for the valve. Where do you turn that thing off? And then finally began to understand what, what I was looking at, that this was indeed a natural spring and it was constantly being filled. There's no end to it. There's just constantly flowing. The water is constantly flowing. It's constantly flowing. It's constantly being filled. And that's the word picture that Paul uses here when he says, be filled with the Spirit. He's not saying, fill up this glass to the top, fill up this bucket to the top, and then you've got what you need. But he's talking about a constant, everyday, continual filling of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the filling of the Spirit is not permanent. In fact, Jesus talked about this. Go in your Bibles to John chapter 7. 
John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit. And when he's talking about streams of living water will flow from within him, it's simply a picturesque word, an illustration of a Spirit-filled Christian. And it says very clearly, by this illustration, he was talking about the Spirit. It's just like the, the, the water in, in Williamston. It never stops. You see, the supply is never exhausted because it has its source in the Holy Spirit who is inexhaustible. So, number three, as far as the biblical basis for the Holy Spirit, number three is this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a second baptism. Write that in, there's three blanks here. It's not a second baptism, or a second blessing, or a second work of grace. You'll see some denominations use those terms. However, my understanding of Scripture is when he says be filled with the Spirit, he is not, I I say it again, he is not referring to a second baptism or a second blessing or a second work of grace. Uh, None of those terms are used in the Bible, by the way. Do you know that? None of those terms are used in the Bible. The Bible teaches that there is one baptism of the Spirit. And it it comes at the moment of faith in Christ. And the baptism of the Spirit is when you become part of God's forever family. That's when you become embraced into God's forever family. And He takes up residence in our life. The Bible does teach, however, that there are many fillings of the Spirit. In fact, uh, You might write it down on your notes this way. One baptism, but many fillings. One baptism, but many fillings. Acts chapter 4. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. And then verse 31, if you're taking notes. Acts 4, verse 8. Then Peter, what's the next five words? Then Peter what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and, and he preached. All right, But just notice right there, it says, Then Philip, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Peter and all the other disciples. So you see here just a, a small example of how the Holy Spirit was, was, was filling this individual named Peter. And then later again in verse 31, filling Peter and all those uh, who were in that prayer meeting. Perhaps we need to change our terminology. Maybe we'd have a little bit better grasp of everything if we changed our terminology. When we're filled with the Spirit, it's not a question of there being more of Him as though His work is somehow quantitative. It's not about how much the Spirit we have. It's about how much the Spirit has of us. 
That's huge. Talk about being filled with the Spirit. It's not about getting more of the Spirit in you. It's about the Spirit of God having more control over you. You're allowing the Spirit of God to have more of you. Does that make sense? We're not saying, God, I I need more of the Holy Spirit. He says, I've already given you that. You don't need more. You need to allow Him to have control. I want more of you. That's what it means when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, (laughs) when you got saved, let me put it to you this way. When you got saved, you you got all there was of the Holy Spirit. God gave you all of the Holy Spirit, not just part of it. Paul wrote, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He's simply saying this. What or who is going to be in control of your life? Don't let alcohol be in control of your life. Instead, in contrast to that, let the Holy Spirit be in control of your life. Put this on your notes. There's a fill in the blank here. Either the Holy Spirit is in control of your life or something else is. Either the Holy Spirit is in control of your life or something else is. And the second sentence is this. Whatever else it may be, it is a poor substitute. Dale Moody once demonstrated this principle when he said he had a glass. He he looked at the other preachers that he was training and he said to those preachers, Tell me how I can get air out of the glass that I have in my hand. You know, any glass, you go home and get one out of your kitchen cabinet, and there's air in that glass. So he said, how can I get the air out of this glass? One man suggested that he suck it out with some kind of a vacuum pump. Moody said, well, that would create a vacuum all right, but it would also shatter the glass. And after many suggestions, Moody simply picked up the water pitcher, And he quietly filled the glass with water. And he got all the air out of the glass. Then he explained, Victory for the child of God, I'm going to quote, Victory for the child of God does not come by working hard to eliminate sinful habits, but by allowing the Holy Spirit to take full possession. Victory for the child of God comes when you allow the Holy Spirit of God To take full possession. Again, I quote Billy Graham. I like to quote Billy Graham because we got confidence in him, right? Here's what Billy Graham says. This is such a powerful statement. Billy Graham said, The spirit-filled life is not abnormal. It is the normal Christian life. Anything less is subnormal. It is less than what God wants and provides for his children. Uh, that's, that's something you probably want to write down, so I'm going to say it one more time. The Spirit-filled life is not abnormal. It is the normal Christian life. Anything less is subnormal. It is less than what God wants and provides for His children. You see, the Spirit-filled life is intended for all of God's children, not for select few, and it's needed by all, and it's available by all. And that's why the Bible says... In Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Because, here I'm going to put it real simple. Be filled with the Spirit, and here's the reason. Because you need God. You need God. So be filled with the Spirit of God. You see, the Holy Spirit is what God has provided in order to give you the assistance you need. 
The Holy Spirit is God's provision to enable you to do what you need to do. You need God. I need God. So we need to be filled by the Spirit of God. Which brings me to the second point on the outline, on your notes. The main obstacles that prevent Christians from being filled with the Spirit. There are some things that prevent us from from experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, after the Holy Spirit comes into your life through the new birth, He remains in residence there. But why do so many believers see so little evidence of the Spirit in their life? Why do you feel so powerless? If the Holy Spirit of God is living in you, why do you feel so powerless? I think there's some reasons. There's some things that are holding you back. Put this on your notes. It's one thing to host the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to be filled with or guided, empowered, and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Someone has said that the Spirit can be resident in your life without being president in your life. So write this down. There's no blank, but you need to write this down. You can yield control to the Holy Spirit all of the time, some of the time, or none of the time. And you choose. Think about that. You can yield control to the Holy Spirit all of the time, comma, some of the time, comma, or none of the time. Period. And you choose. It's up to you. You have the free will to either obey God or to disobey Him. So, what are the main obstacles that get in our way that prevent Christians from really being filled with God's Holy Spirit? I've got a few there that I want to list for you. I'm just going to mention them briefly. Uh, but here's the first one, probably, probably the one that, that we struggle with the most. That is prideful self-reliance. Prideful self-reliance. Pride is one of the most basic of sins, and it confronts each one of us. Prideful, but it's not just pride. What, what did I say? It's prideful what? Self-reliance. Prideful, basically saying, I got this. I got this. I got to tell you about my son. Uh, I don't think I've told you this story, but he had uh, to have a test where they put him to sleep several months ago. And, uh, you know, when when they wake up, sometimes you just got to have your phone ready, you know, to to video what what's about to take place. And I did, and then I, I hit the wrong button, and I think I erased it. But he, when he wakes up, he's had to have this test of scope in his esophagus. He's had to have that two or three times. And when he wakes up, he's just, he's just funny. I mean, you know, he just, he just doesn't know what he's doing. And he's, he's just really funny. And so I was in the room with him, and, you know, they were saying, okay, you can take him home now. And he's got that hospital gown on, and, and now it's time for him to get ready. And, and so I'm trying to help him get his hospital gown on and get his jeans back on because he, I mean, he's just out of it. He's standing up, but he's out of it. And so he's literally staggering. He, he's just doing this. And I'm trying to help him. And he kept saying, I got this. I got this. <laughs> and I handed him his jeans. And he, he took his jeans and went, 
And I started to uh, step toward him again. I got this. Just chill. Just chill. (laughs) I got this. I knew he didn't have this. I knew he needed help. But in his mind, he was saying, I got this. And oh, the times that we do that to our Heavenly Father. Ah, yes, his earthly father wanted to help him. I knew he needed the help. I was able to help him. But he, he was insisting, I got this. And there's times when your heavenly father sees you in need. And he's willing to help you and ready to help you and wants to help you. But in our prideful self-reliance, we basically say, I got this. And we wonder, why don't I feel the Holy Spirit at work in my life? Prideful self-reliance. You see, in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, here's the most basic concept. In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to admit that you need Him. So, let me go on. Uh, The second one. Second obstacle hinders us and it keeps us from being filled with the Spirit of God is worldliness. Worldliness. Because we still have that fallen nature, we sometimes are seduced by the treasures of this world. Sometimes can make idols out of the things of this world. Jesus proclaimed to His followers... How do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I wish we could take a little time and have a group discussion. But let's just let you teach for a moment. We won't have time for the discussion. Describe uh, Describe or define worldliness. How would you describe or define worldliness? Chasing after things that won't satisfy. Very good. I don't see any difference between you or anybody else. That's right. Focusing on what the world says is important. All of those are good answers. What? Not centered on God. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. Trying to find things to fill you up. All of these are very good answers. And all of these are reasons why we sometimes do not experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because you know why? We're filled with so many other junky things. Now this is an elementary illustration, but I think some of you will will, uh, be able to relate to it. Maybe as a parent you've done this, or maybe your parents did this to you. Have you ever filled up on junk food and then you didn't really want real food? Now, I know Donna's never done this, but, <laughs> but other people. You know, you, know you, you just you eat three bags of potato chips and two candy bars and then she says, it's supper, time for supper. It's like, I don't really want anything. You know, anybody ever had, besides me, anybody ever done that? Yeah. 
Yeah, a couple of times I've, I've said to Lisa, I'm just not hungry. I didn't tell her why I was not hungry. Just told her I wasn't hungry. Uh, Freddy's. Yes. Yes. Freddy, oh, don't get me started on Freddy's. I'm gonna... Anyway. That, that really is kind of a picture of what happens sometimes when, it, when we're talking about worldliness. We get filled up on the things of this world. And we don't want the things of God. We don't have, listen, this is going to be good. You lose your appetite for God because of your appetite for the world. The shiny things of the world has gotten your attention. The shiny things of the world. And you lose your appetite for God. That's one of the things that hinders us from being filled with the Spirit. Let me give you another one. Desire for others' approval. Desire for others' approval. In other words, you're just worried so much about popular opinion and what others think of you. King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived apart from Jesus Christ. And and he wrote these words. He says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. That's Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. You've got to make sure that you don't... Can I be real plain with you? Can I be real simple? You've got to make sure that you're not letting your friends, even well-meaning Christian friends, confuse you about God's purpose and God's plan for your life. Even family members. You've got to make sure that you're listening to the Lord and you're following the Lord rather than following somebody else's ideas and seeking the approval of your wife or your husband or your children or your parents or whoever it may or a friend whoever it may be sometimes we can be so driven to seek somebody else's approval that we forget the ultimate approval we need is God's approval or that we desire here let me give you another one what number are we on? What? All right. D, lack of faith. Lack of faith is another thing that hinders us from being filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that, that God formed us and He knew us before we were ever born. The Bible says that God has complete ultimate authority and power and the bible says that god loves us in a way we can never imagine now put those three things together god formed us before we were ever born he knew us even in our mother's womb the psalmist tells us that so god formed us before we were ever born secondly god has ultimate authority and power and thirdly he loves you more than you could ever imagine Question, so why can't you trust Him? Why do you hesitate sometimes with a lack of faith? One of the reasons that we struggle to experience the Holy Spirit working in our lives is because we're, we fail to step out in faith to follow the Lord. We fail to step out in faith and experience God working in and through us. 
that lack of faith means that you're not going to experience God because, listen, you don't need Him. You're staying where it's comfortable. You don't need Him. You're staying where everything is content. You don't need Him. Because you got everything covered right in your little circle. Everything is nice. Everything is good. You don't need Him. In your mind, you don't need Him because you haven't stepped out in faith. Let me give the, the, the last one here, and I'm going to try to go through these pretty quickly. Unconfessed sin. The fifth obstacle to the Spirit-filled life is unconfessed sin. You see, although Jesus has provided forgiveness for all of our sins, past, present, and future, he, we can still rob ourselves of intimacy with God with unconfessed sin. In order to stay intimate in our fellowship with our loving Lord, we have to confess sin. I would suggest this to you. Try to get into this practice. Confess any sin of thought, word, or deed as soon as you become aware of it. That might be worth writing down. Confess any sin of thought, word, or deed as soon as you become aware of it. But if you start to rationalize or justify or delay that confession, rationalize, well, I don't really need to do this, justify, well, it's really not sin, or maybe I'll do that later, I'll talk to the Lord about that later, that's when you have unconfessed sin in your life and the Holy Spirit of God is not president. He's resident, He's not leaving, but He's not president. He's not in control. Sin is in control right now. He's not in control. Sin is in control. So when there is unconfessed sin in your life, you're allowing sin to be in control rather than God's Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? As soon as you become aware of sin in thought, word, or deed, try to develop the habit of confessing that to God. Can I put it to you this way? Keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts. I remember when I was just a little guy, we had a store in our community, and it was, I mean, it seemed like it was like four miles away, but I've been back since then, and it was like a block away, you know. And I used to be able to walk down to the store, and uh, they had a running tab. Now, y'all don't know what this, y'all don't know about this, do you? Uh, young people don't know about this. You, you can't go to the Seven Eleven to do this tonight. I promise you, it won't work. But back before they had all this electronic stuff and everything else, you could go down to the, it was Campbell's Grocery Store or Campbell's something store. Go down to Campbell's store and get you a Pepsi and a Moon Pie and tell them, put that on the tab. And they just had a running account for you. They wrote, they literally wrote it down. Just ran a tab for you. And then mom or dad would come back and they would pay that bill. Folks, when you are dealing with sin in your life, don't let that account go too far. Don't let that tab go too long. Keep short accounts with God. As soon as you become aware in thought of sin, in thought, word, or deed, confess that to God and be made right with Him. Alright, that brings us to the last thing on your notes, that is, how to be filled with the Spirit. 
I've got four things here. These four things really line up with the five things I've just given you as far as obstacles. Makes sense, doesn't it? If these are the obstacles, how do we get across these obstacles? How do we deal with these problems? Uh, so some of this is going to sound redundant, but it's simply addressing the obstacles that keep us from being filled with the Spirit. How could you and I experience the, the filling of God, that moment-by-moment guidance, that empowerment that God provides, that control that God wants to have in our lives? Here's how you do it. Number one, or A on your notes, acknowledge your thirst. Our wonderful God does not force Himself on anyone. We must simply acknowledge that we desire this. Right now, right at this very moment, I am extremely thirsty. My mouth is dry. My, my tongue is dry. I am extremely thirsty. It's not hard for me to tell you that. Man, I am thirsty. I'd give $5 for a Pepsi right now. I'm thirsty. Sometimes you need to go to God and say, God, I just want to tell you, I am so thirsty for your presence. I am so thirsty for you to be in control of my life. God, I am just so dry. I am so thirsty to sense you in my life. Admit your thirst. Acknowledge your thirst. Number two, clear the slate. Clear the slate. That simply means confess to the Lord whatever sin may be in your life. That goes back to what we talked about regarding the obstacles. Sin short circuits our fellowship with the Lord. So claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as quickly as you can, clear the slate with God. Number three, hold nothing back. Hold nothing back. We must surrender control of every area of our lives to Jesus. For most Christians, this is usually the major obstacle. This is where we struggle the most. There's always some area of our lives that we're unwilling to turn over to the Lord. We're we're fine with the Lord having control over most areas. Or at least some areas. But there's usually a certain area of our lives where we still want to have say-so over that. Usually it's finances. We want to have say-so over that. And the reason we want to have say-so over that is because of the worldliness that's already in our lives. So that we can maintain this worldly standard, we want to be in control of our finances. But it's not just finances, it's also relationships. Sometimes it's relationships we don't want to give God control over. It's like, well, yeah, you know, I want to be filled with the Spirit, but I really want to keep going out with her. I really want to have a relationship with him you know and so sometimes especially for young people it's the relationships where you have struggles and following God and obeying God and holding nothing back for some it's your work just God saying why are you doing this why are you working yourself to death And you won't give him control over it. Hold nothing back. Are you thirsty enough 
to ask God to take it all? Do I trust Him with the whole picture of my life? That's the question. Do I trust Him with the whole aspect of my life? That's the question. And then the, the fourth and final is this. Give Him the throne. Give Him the throne. May I say to you that the throne of your heart is either occupied by you or by Him. (laughs) I know that's simple, but it's profound at the same time. The throne of your heart is either occupied by you or by Him. When you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and take control, you're simply saying, Holy Spirit of God, I give you the throne of my life. I'll give you one final illustration to help you grab hold of this. Um, Have you ever been in a car where you were the passenger and you wanted to be the driver? Huh? Apparently you have. Why did you want to be the driver? You wanted control. You didn't want to die that day. Right? You wanted control. You see, only one or two people are going to control that car. The driver or the passenger. And so you're willing to give up the passenger seat in order to be in the driver's seat. Because you want control. It's the same in your walk with God. Who's behind the steering wheel of your life tonight? Not theoretically, not theologically, practically speaking. Who's behind the steering wheel of your life tonight? Paul says, be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to have control. Allow Him to be in charge. Get out from behind the steering wheel tonight and allow Him to drive. but I still want to drive. (laughs) I know you do. It takes a while, doesn't it? You may have to pray this prayer. God, pry my fingers off this steering wheel. I want you, Lord Jesus, to be in control. Remember, I'll close with this. Remember, it's not getting more of the Holy Spirit. That's what some of the charismatic brothers want to do. They say, you've got to get more of the Holy Spirit. No, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You simply let the Holy Spirit have more of you. Amen? Let's pray about that. Father, thank You for this Word tonight. Thank You for helping us to understand this concept. But thank You most of all, for Your Holy Spirit, that You have provided what we need. You have provided. When we need 
more than what we can do, when we need, Father, a power we don't have, when we are weak and ineffective and unable, You have provided what we need. You have come to live in us. And I pray this week we just acknowledge we need You. And then may we work through this list making sure we've dealt with the obstacles and we have opened our life to Your wonderful, sweet, powerful, loving Holy Spirit. We thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.